get ready to learn business strategies and insights from America's top entrepreneurs, creators, and thought leaders here at the Success, Motivation, and Inspiration Podcast. You are listening to M. Curtis McCoy, best-selling author, CEO of Best Cellular, and your host for Success, Motivation, and Inspiration. I'm excited to be sharing the wisdom of Mitchell Bynacker with our audience today. Mitch is a business attorney with more than 25 years experience working with small business owners, entrepreneurs, and professionals. He advises businesses through all phases of operation, including startups, business development, and the legal aspects of running a business. Mitch runs his own corporate and business advisory practice in Cranford, New Jersey. He often speaks at workshops and is the host of his own podcast, The Accidental Entrepreneur which focuses on helping business owners achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Welcome, Mitch. I'm so glad to have you on the show this morning. Thanks for having me. So first off, what is your personal definition of success? Um, I think it's really being able to you know, do what you want to do, the things you want to pr- uh, pursue from a career standpoint, and be happy doing it. I know people that you know make a lot of money, and they define success with that. I know people that are able to run their companies and do a lot of good charitable things. Um, from my standpoint, you know, if I can run my practice and I can charge people a reasonable fee and help them along the way and help them succeed in business, I consider that, you know, successful. I try not to measure it from a monetary standpoint all the time. That's great. I was, uh, I was listening to an episode you did on the, one of your accidental, accidental entrepreneur episodes. Um, yes. seems like you got a, uh, Seems like you got your head on your shoulders here. Well, we're we're trying to uh, get started with that. I have probably I don't know how many episodes I have up four or five episodes. I have a bunch in the can right now that are being edited. I'm meeting other people, but yeah, I mean the idea of the podcast was really I have a lot of people that come to me, um, unfortunately, as a lawyer when things are um, let's say they've gone awry. It's probably the best way to put it, and I'm now helping them you know, negotiating out of a lease that they're obligated to dealing with uh, equipment leasing companies, whoever they owe money to, because the business didn't succeed. And if I had been been working with them before that, they might have had more of a fighting chance. So that's kind of the idea. So people can do things more purposefully and not just kind of haphazardly and throw in caution to the wind, which unfortunately, a lot of small business owners do. um, When it comes to business, they have an idea they think that it'll be great. They have really no business background. They're not a, you know, they're not a, uh, they don't have an MBA. So they never went to business school. Well, there are resources out there. That's one of the podcasts I have up from the Economic Development Corporation. They have courses that you can take, but a lot of people just don't spend the time to, um, you know, find those resources and so forth. So, you know, we're, we're coming along, I guess. That's great. You've been, you've been practicing business law for 25 years, right? Yeah, I started out um, after law school doing a lot of estate and trust work for small business owners. And what happened was over time, the business owners needed business work as well because, you you know, when you own your own business, it's kind of part of your life. So I started doing business agreements and helping people form their businesses or sell their businesses or acquire another business, um, not on the public company side, but on the on the closely held side. So, yeah, so it's probably been, let's say, within the first three to five years where I kind of migrated into the business. I still do a lot of estate work, but it's generally for family-owned businesses, closely held companies, and uh, business owners. 
Okay. We've got a we've got a huge amount of entrepreneurs that are following, you know, we've got the success motivation inspiration group on Facebook and uh I think right now we're around 20, 29,000 followers with you know a lot more a lot more joining daily. Or sure. uh, we'll uh I'll definitely put a link to your your website stuff like that in the in the show notes here because we'll be a great thing for our entrepreneurs who are just getting started and looking for law help. So yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> well, obviously, it's a jurisdictional thing, so I can I got to preface my comments if it's outside of New Jersey area, but you know, in general, I can uh, help them from an advisory standpoint. Okay. Um, can you share the steps that you take daily to improve? To improve my business? To improve business yourself, your life. Just advice for anybody looking to better themselves. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I um, I would say when it comes to uh, business development, because I always considered myself more of a business person than a you know than a professional. Some people look at the practice of law as a profession. Some people look at it as a business. I really think that if you don't look at it as a business, you're going to be out of business. So, um, but yeah, I mean, on a daily basis or on a weekly basis. I'm uh, constantly looking to develop uh, relationships with people so I can help them. Um, I have a, uh, a list of people that I stay in touch with who are my centers of influence and mentors and things like that. Um, from a motivational standpoint, I certainly listen to a lot of – that's what got me into the podcast to begin with because I listen to a lot of podcasts – um, and a video in the old days, it was tape sets and you, you know, we didn't have podcasts. So you'd ride around in your car, wherever you're going to see people and you'd pop a tape into the, into the car. So those are the kind of things I do on a daily basis. I think every day you kind of wake up and kind of regroup and say, not that you're unemployed again, if you're a business owner, but you do have to kind of figure out what drives, you know, your business or your life or the things that you want to do that particular day and kind of prioritize them. That's great. The uh, you and I may be older than some of the a lot of our listeners that may not have ever listened to a cassette tape. Right. But, uh, I did that for years and years ago. You know, I had uh, lunch. I'd take uh, the soft lunch boxes and would sure. have them absolutely filled with cassette tapes of you know different different motivational speakers. And of course, of course. I think maybe they probably can find a video <clears throat> on YouTube where some guy's holding up an eight track tape and a and a cassette tape. Because uh, like my children who are 14 to 19, they have no idea what these things are. Yeah, why, would you have a, why would you have a tangible item when you can just listen to it on the internet? Right. Huh? They don't even understand compact discs. They're like, why would you take that? It's all That's on awesome. demand. The whole, our whole life's on demand. That's awesome. Um, another question. What would you – this is kind of a general question for anybody that's looking to make an important decision. How do you weigh decisions? Or I'm getting some feedback on your voice. It's like crackly. I don't know if that oh, okay. comes down on your end or just my end. I'm not hearing it on my end here. But... Okay, good. As long as you don't hear it, that's fine. Okay, I'm sorry. Repeat the question, Curtis. Okay, so um, what, what advice would you give, just general advice for, for someone looking to make an important decision? Oh, what kind you got? Can you give me a category of uh, important decisions? So, like a business decision or a personal decision? In business or personal, do you have do you have something that if you've got a major decision coming at you, is there a, a process or steps that you take to, you know, like Edison had his had the chart. Right. There's things like that. Do you have any kind of a any advice on how you yeah how you make decisions? Um, huh, that's a good question. 
Um, how do I make decisions? So I would say that I, <clears throat> I probably, depending on the problem when it comes to decision making, um, I, I'm, I'm kind of a, a black and white person. And you know, obviously as a lawyer and a business advisor, I'm dealing with a lot of people and um, helping them make decisions. So I think a lot of people don't lay out the costs and benefits of doing something. They tend to make decisions off the cuff. So when it comes to making the decision, I, I try to kind of list, sometimes on paper, if it's complicated, the, the benefits of doing what I'm doing and the disadvantages of doing what I'm doing. And if one outweighs the other, I may do it. I also find, from my experience, since I've been doing this for so long, I try very rarely to make precipitous decisions. So something happens that day and you say, oh, I got to, you know, some, you're responding to something immediately and that's not always the best way. Sometimes you got to regroup, take a breath, turn everything off, go home, sleep on it for the night. And you'd be surprised what ideas come into your mind that make something more beneficial than you realized. Or maybe, you know, it's worse for you to do. Um, and I, I find that with a lot of business owners that I work with, they, they tend to make um, what's the they tend to make just quick decisions that aren't well thought through. Sometimes they'll call me if I'm their advisor and we'll think it through and I'll talk them through it. That's also a good methodology. If you have somebody that is a mentor or somebody that's a colleague that you trust their opinion, um, I think it's always good to run things by somebody. So you talk out the idea. If you can't, if you got, you can't have anybody talk to you, talk it out loud to yourself and make some notes. But I think you got to work your way through it because a lot of people react especially in today's day, you know, they get an email about something or a text message about something and they immediately react uh, and respond. And they find out, first of all, that the message didn't mean what they thought it meant or there was a better way to deal with it. You know, they have relationships to maintain. And, and so that's kind of how I approach things. I try and take a step back and not react right away um, unless it's something that's an emergency for a client and then kind of weigh the, the pros and the cons carefully. Well, it's probably easier to make a, a quick decision like that if you are not emotionally attached, like advising a client, I would assume. But. Of course, definitely. That's often why clients call me to discuss uh, decision making, because that's the biggest problem is that we can't make decisions without getting our emotions, uh, putting our emotions aside. And that's one of the one of the methodologies I use in terms of, OK, take a step back and just forget about it. Don't respond. Life will go on. You can wait an hour or two. You can wait till tomorrow morning. And, you know, the situation will reveal itself and, and watch what happens as it develops. And I think that the emotional side of it is what gets in the way of a lot of these things. I don't care whether it's parenting or business decisions or, you know, whatever it is. You get an email from the school about your son or daughter. You immediately think it's a problem. The parents get on the defensive and, you know, and it was something wasn't a big deal or something they just had to deal with or. So, yeah, I think emotion is a, is a big problem when it comes to making clear decisions. Okay. That's, that's great advice. Appreciate that. Uh, can you tell me about a specific moment that set you on the path to where you are now? Huh. Um, I think, I think where I am now just kind of developed over time. You know, I, 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 <clears throat> I grew up in, an insurance family. Uh, my father was in the life insurance business, still is since I think 1965. Um, I went from college to law school with an interest in business and uh, was always interested in entrepreneurship. Um, matter of fact, probably my first business, I think um, you had emailed me a question about this. I think my first business was 
like in eighth grade, I used to make, I was a tennis player. I don't play as much tennis anymore, but I, I used to string rackets and I was into fishing. I used to make handmade fishing uh, rods and I would sell them. And I, it was in eighth grade. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't have a lot. And, you know, there's no social media in those days. You just did it kind of for people that you knew. And then after that, I just, you know, every summer I would, I never had a summer job where I went to work for a company. When I was in law school, I did. But I always had a business. When detailing became big with cars, I, I started a detailing company in the middle of high school, sold it at the end to somebody. Um, when I was in college, we had a DJ business at the fraternity house, and I ran that. We used to make money, go to all kinds of houses, and in those days, spin records, and then it became CDs, and then MP3s, and things like that. Um, so it probably started back when I was in middle school, um, you know, when my father would, you know, introduce me to Forbes magazine or, uh, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, so it just kind of developed from there and, and over time, just reading things and watching things and going to seminars and seeing, I've always had an interest in business. So when I followed the law path, I know this is a long winded answer to your question, but when I followed the legal path, um, that, that was the road that I was really on. I, I don't like, I don't litigate. I don't go to court. I might be in handcuffs if I'm in court or if I'm a witness in a case, I, I would be involved at if I was doing some business work, but everything I do is transactional. It's all, you know, helping business owners setting up, breaking down, whatever, even on the estate side, I don't litigate. It's all transactional document okay. type of work. That's so that's, I, I guess that's where, now that I'm thinking about it, that's kind of where it started back in middle school when I was young. Yeah. A lot of the entrepreneurs I speak with started out very, very young with their own, their own businesses that maybe didn't, uh, Aren't are, are related at all to what they're doing now, but kind of a neat thing to see if you've got a kid that's that's trying to sell you something at four right. or five years old. That's probably end up in uh, in our shoes now, huh? Right, right, yeah, exactly. I mean, the passion's there. They may end up doing something else, but I think <clears throat> the entrepreneurial spirit is, is there. When we were young, um, when we were young. Uh, the uh, word entrepreneur was kind of a foreign word. Now it's very common. There's programs in college. Everybody's talking about it and everybody's an entrepreneur, which it's not always the case, but they think that they are. So <laughs> uh, if you could recommend one book for our audience, what would that be? Follow M. Curtis McCoy on Amazon, Kindle, Audible, or connect with him on your favorite social media platform to be the first to know about his next book release. Oh, there's a lot of books that I like. Um, my favorite book, if you're in um, a business, well, I guess for any business, customer service standpoint, keeping in touch with their clients is a book I read years ago. They've updated it now to be more modern with technology called The Referral of a Lifetime. It's written by a guy named Tim Templeton. It's a Ken Blanchard series types of books like Gung Ho and those types of books. It's written as a parable. Um, so it's an easy read. It's a good story, but it's a very good story about how to build a, a program of keeping in touch with your with your client base and with your customers. Um, when I meet business owners and I work with them, it's very common that they they don't keep regular contact with their clients. And especially nowadays, 15 years ago, you'd have to have a mailing list. Maybe it was on a spreadsheet, but you'd have to print out a postcard or print out something and mail it to all these people to stay in touch. So if you had 10 or 15,000 people, could you imagine you said you have sometimes – you know, 20 or 30,000 views or followers on, could you, ma could you imagine mailing to them on a monthly basis? It would cost you a fortune. But yeah. nowadays with constant contact and MailChimp and other, you know, web-based uh, services like that, it's easy to maintain thousands of contacts just to remind them that you're alive, 
that you're doing X, Y, and Z to, it doesn't always have to be business related, but I find very commonly I go and patronize a business, say they're a retail store or restaurant or something, and they'll have a fishbowl uh, with, you put your business card in, you win a lunch, you win whatever you win. And I always know that I'll never hear from these people again, unless you win the lunch, but you don't. So they don't use those names. They don't do anything with those names to stay in touch. Now, I'm seeing more and more of it, but I think that's why I like that book, because it highlights the fact that simply by keeping in touch with your clients and the people that you meet, you'll, you'll grow your business and you'll be successful. You can't start the day looking for new people, you know, you know, and forgetting about all the ones that you have relationships with. Yeah. Um, and you can automate all that today. So I meet you, I meet somebody, I put them on my mailing list immediately over the next, I don't know, three, four five weeks, they will receive emails from me. It's all automated. I don't have anything to do with it and teaches them about my practice. Um, as well as, you know, announcing a podcast episode or anything else that's, uh, that's out there. Um, so I like that book. There's also a book, a series called The Go-Giver, which I like very much. I think it's a three-book series, but uh, also written as a parable, another story like that. I like those okay. kind of books that are easy reads and they kind of, you can relate to them. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll definitely check those out. I own some retail locations, retail stores that we're always looking to improve customer service and have those connections. And Sure. I realize people can purchase the same thing from just about anywhere they get on Amazon or eBay or whatever. And, uh, right. You want to think of you more than they think of other people. Yep. Right. That's Amazon's relationships. Yeah. And that's Amazon's advantage. They're, you know, they're the IBM. I mean, they're they're the Xerox of photocopying. Now everybody thinks to buy something. If, unless they know you, they're going to go right to Amazon. Mm -hmm. You know? So yeah, that's a good point. Which what, what character traits do you value the most in others? Um, I think people I I like I want people to have integrity. You know, you should always be doing the right thing for people, regardless of what your personal interests are. So if you're in sales and the right thing for this person to do is X, but it doesn't make you as much money, they could do Y, but it's not as good for them. Choose what's good for them. I don't, I don't think it's ever a should never be a a decision. Um, you know, I try to run my practice on either flat fee basis or a monthly retainer basis. If I'm working on a project, I find that in the professions, hourly billing is a complete conflict of interest because you're supposed to do the best job for your client, the least or reasonable cost, but you're pressured by the organization that you're part of to bill. Run up the hours. Yeah. And it always leads to conflict with clients. Constantly, so I try yeah. to stay away from that that stuff. That's great, great advice. Uh, that's one of the things in our retail locations where we'll have customers. Sometimes we'll have customer come in that you know they're streaming a ton of data. They want to be you know, be on Netflix or YouTube or whatever, right. and uh, looking to sign up and going, "Hey, we would love to make the sale, but our business, the way that we're structured, that is, may not be the best option for them." So. Right. The, the majority of people that walk in are very happy getting better deals, better, you know, they're not having the contracts and the monthly, all the exorbitant monthly fees. Right. But you have to be honest, and, and we teach all of our new sales people as well, that if somebody walks in and they're not, they don't fit the the model of what, what our business serves, we'll tell them, hey, you can run on down to whatever other store, there's a great, you know, whatever the deal is there. So, right, and they'll always appreciate that. At the end yeah. of the day, they'll see three anyway. Real quick, when you do the right thing for them, it always comes back to you. This would just happen here. You got to. I am. I've got you in two screens now. Uh, I see me in the corner, 
and I see you here, although your voice doesn't match the video all the time, but I understand. I hear everything. I get you. Um, Come on, split and, screen now? Uh, we were on split screen, and now I'm seeing two of you alongside of me. So, so you don't I see don't yourself know. anymore? I do, yes. Oh, that must be I, my twin. I have a twin. No, I don't. Nice. <laughs> all right. Here's a, here's a tough question for you. How do you yeah. push through tough times? How do I push through tough times? Um, just trying to keep things in perspective. Um, you know, I deal with a lot of business owners who, you know, I mean, I've faced tough times too, but they, um, you know, the sun, the sun will always rise another day. And sometimes the, the best thing when times are tough is that they will get better. So you got to kind of regroup and find out that, uh, you know, maybe your business is failing and you got a lot of people you owe money to and you'll be surprised when people will work with you and, and you'll, you know, if you're just honest and talk to them and take a deep breath. And unfortunately that's the flip side of it, right? When everything's great and you're firing on all cylinders and you're making money and you're just waiting for the next two by four to hit you over the head without you realizing that's just like life. Life doesn't happen in a straight line. It happens in, you know, ups and downs and things like that. So, I mean, that's, that's, I, I kind of try to, and I know a lot of people have trouble with this, especially from the emotional standpoint. Um, when times are tough, personal or otherwise, you just got to take a deep breath and keep things in perspective. Sometimes that's very hard. But when it comes to business, it's not so hard. It's not your children that you're worrying about. Your life's not going to come to an end. Um, you know, it, it, you, you can always work with them. I mean, even people that owe, owe money to taxing authorities, they're, they're run by – there's human beings behind that. You don't just – they're not just going to come in and take your whole life away from you and throw you in prison. That doesn't happen um, except the people that are deliberately avoiding taxes. But – for the most part, I've been able to negotiate arrangements with state taxing authorities, IRS, whatever, for clients when they're in trouble and they're because, the, you know, they they know, too, that they're not going to get paid if they just come and, you know, take the equipment in your office and then leave. So that doesn't, on the doors. Correct. that doesn't really help them. Now, that has happened because they have no other remedy. But in general, if you don't hide in the sand and you deal with things up front, be forward about what problems you're facing. You can work your way out of it. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Um, this is an easier question here. What inspires you? What inspires me? Um, I think the, well, certainly the, which I like on the legal side, the ability to help people and to, you know, put them on a better road to success. Um, I, I get involved with and speak at a lot of uh, entrepreneurial um, academies for kids. We ran one for four or five years, actually, and uh, it was very rewarding to see how creative the kids are and how they dealt with with problems. So I would say that's probably what on the business side inspires me. Obviously, on the personal side, my children and my wife inspire me with all the stuff that they're achieving and how they're growing up and things like that. So that's awesome. And how do you manage and prioritize opportunities? There's a little bit of a variation on the on the question I asked earlier, but. When you've got somebody that's approaching you with a business opportunity or a new idea, the pod, the podcast or whatever it is, how do you prioritize those? Yeah, I, I think um, I try to weigh what new opportunities are coming and how it might affect opportunities that I have. Uh, you know, I know I have a couple of people that I work with. They're all over the place. They got every time I talk to them, there's something else going on and they never get off the ground on the first on the things that they're working on. So I think from a priority standpoint, you got to and, and I decide, OK, you know, do I want to continue with the podcast and is it helping my business or should I start another podcast? Um, and I, I may start one for law legal stuff that's more um, broad based than the, the entrepreneurial one. But, 
you know, for a while I was doing videos and then uh, I decided, you know, it was too much work to get dressed up on a Saturday and go in and shoot videos. Um, and I, I felt the podcast was better. And so I try to I try to prioritize things from a standpoint of, you know, how much time do you really have and how intrusive do you want opportunities to be in your life? Uh, you can't pursue everything. So I would say that's probably how I prioritize things. OK, that's that's great advice. And what advice would you give to your 18 year old self? My 18 year old self. <clears throat> that, that's funny. So I was talking to somebody the other day about this. Um, if it was a it was a podcast interview, actually, I was doing. And, you know, you always say if you knew what you know now, when you're 18 years old, you would be much farther ahead than where you are. Right. Because there's a learning process. But having said that, I do have an 18 year old son, 19, actually. It's hard when you're 18 or 19 to accept the advice and the things that a 50-some-odd-year-old person is telling you when you haven't had that experience. So my advice to myself would be to, um, first of all, to pursue more opportunities to get a broad-based exposure to a lot of different things. Um, that's easier now than it probably was when I was 18. But also to um, listen to, to advice and digest it and determine is the things that people are telling me make sense or not and what can I learn from them because I think a lot of people when you're 18 you're just like you think you think you know everything um obviously you don't because you're only 18 and you've only been an adult for a couple of years so uh that's probably what I, what I would get what I would do when I started in sales I was in sales for a while on the estate planning side and insurance with my father I think the best advice I ever got was if you're going to get started in a particular business you know for the first year or two every month Find a mentor, somebody in your business, somebody who's a successful business owner that you know, somebody who your parents know, somebody who your friends know, and have a cup of coffee with them, um, a different person every month, and ask them, how did you get started? What problems did you have along the way? How did you overcome them? Um, you know, you'll find that a lot of people struggled and they failed their way to success. You know, what, what advice would you give me that might help me avoid the problems that you ran into learning it on your own? So that's that's the kind of things that if I was 18 and somebody was telling me that and I was open minded enough to understand, I probably would would be a little bit ahead of where I am now. That's great advice. The uh, the mentorship thing is is huge. A lot of us don't understand that until we get older and realize how much how much easier life would have been earlier on if we would have listened to advice. But, right. Uh, Correct. I personally, that advice you talk about every couple of weeks, I'll I'll try to uh, meet up with different friends that are you know, medical field or dental franchises or different things like that. Uh, maybe not related at all to what I'm doing, sure. but, you know, you know, say, hey, let me take you out to lunch and we'll sit there and, and I get more out of that few bucks it costs for lunch. Then, you know, I, I don't show up having any kind of a motive or any reason to. Right. Absolutely. I mean, just a good lunch with a friend, but right. uh, I always seem, always seem to get more than my lunch money's worth for, for the leadership and mentorship that I get. And it's all part, it's all part of networking, right? So you're building your network, you're making contacts. It doesn't have to be people you're going to directly do business with, but there may be people that can introduce you to somebody else in the future or, or give you an idea or recommend a book to you or tell you a story that's valuable lesson to you. So yeah, I, I think I think that's the biggest part that people don't get when it comes to networking and building a network of of people when they have problems and they need something, they're going to need people, resources to tap into to um, solve those problems. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for your time. I sure appreciate the uh, appreciate you sharing your insight and your wisdom with us. That's been a uh, been a great podcast. Thank you. Okay, Curtis, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Take care. That's it for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the Success, Motivation, and Inspiration podcast. And head over to successmotivationinspiration.com for show notes and more tools to fuel your passion.